straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and go to the other side before unto Bethsaida, and he had sent them away. When he had sent them away, excuse me, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when he was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit, and cried out. So they all saw him, and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them, and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure, and wondered. Now verse 52 says this, For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I love you. Lord, I thank you. Lord, for your word. Lord, I pray for your mercy, your grace, and your help. Lord, I pray you would control what I say and how I say it. I pray that your word would be a help, would strengthen us and draw us closer to you. Uh, Lord, so I pray that you would use it, that it would have your touch, that it would have your blessing, Lord. Lord, help me to stay true to your word. Lord, I pray that you would work on hearts and lives. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here who has never truly been converted, Lord, I pray for that conviction and that drawing, that perhaps even this morning they would repent and place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Please, Lord, I pray that you be glorified. I pray and ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Um, you know, when it comes to the Christian life, a lot of times we sort of, we, we can get into a place times where, where we can make it about checking our boxes. And, and, and there are certain disciplines that come into the Christian life that do allow you to be effective and, and put you in a place where you can grow. Sometimes a problem can come in, though, where also life is about checking those boxes and not so much about God and the relationship with Him. All right? So, you're always going to hear me stress the importance of your personal walk with God. And many times what I mean by that, it's not just these two things, but, but that's the foundation to it. That is being in your Bible every day and in prayer. Um, being in God's Word every morning, having that habit in your life that when you get up, you have a separate time where you get in God's Word, and then you, you get along with Him, and you pray. Both are important. You have to have both. You have to have time with God. You have to have time for God. Those things need to be in place in your life. But as independent fundamental Baptists many times, that can become about checking our box. Okay, we're in church. I went and knocked on some doors. I have read my Bible and I have prayed every day. We're dealing with people in our text who had spent time with Christ every single day. It's not about checking the boxes. Listen, do I believe those things need to be in place? Absolutely they need to be in place. But if it's just about checking the box, you are going to miss what it's about. You've heard me say it many times. The Bible is not a magic book. So often we just simply look for a formula to solve our spirituality. It's about God. It's about even as God is going to be trying to teach the apostles here an incredibly important lesson. It's about changing your worldview once you're a Christian. It's about changing how you view life, how you view your circumstances that you're facing. Allowing God to be very real in your life in, in a practical way. 
A few weeks ago, I preached a message out of the book of Joshua. I believe it was a Sunday night message. And I'd focused on when they'd set up the stones on the other side of the Jordan when they passed through it. And so the whole purpose of that, the Lord wanted, was, of course, to set up a way that they would not forget what God did. They could set up those stones that their children would ask, others would ask. I mean, and the Lord can use that in so many different ways, but he didn't want them to forget Even in the book of Deuteronomy, which is one of my favorite books in the Old Testament, the Lord stresses the importance of remembering, remembering what God did, remembering what God did. Don't forget it. I want to ask you sort of a question right now, this being apart from your salvation. What is something in your life that God did that truly showed His power his strength, or his might in your life. What is something in your life right now, if I was to ask you to write it down, some way where it was God that showed up and worked, and you can think, oh, I remember this. I remember what God did here. In our text in Mark, A lot of people like to scoff at this text because it does not, they they scoff at the portion where Peter walked on water. This is the same account where Peter did get out of the boat and walked on water. I enjoy preaching on that. But Mark does not give us that detail. Matthew does and and whatnot. But what people forget is it makes perfect sense that it's not in Mark's gospel. Mark, who can tell me, of our Bible college students here, Mark's account of the gospel is from whose viewpoint? Peter's. It's, it's an element of humility on Peter. Peter's not talking about himself. It always makes me leery, especially, even, especially among preachers who are so busy just talking about themselves. But he doesn't give it. I think it shows an element of humility on Peter's point. Peter's part, excuse me. In our text, they, they had just witnessed the feeding of much more than 5,000, of 5,000 men had just taken place. Now understand, sort of the problem they were facing in the miracle prior to this was not necessarily the problem or the trial of the apostles. It was more so of the people that were there gathered, of the 15,000 or so that were there that had no food. And that's where the Lord took the five loaves and the two fishes and he blessed and break it. And every single person ate. And a tremendous, a miracle of God's provision. But it wasn't necessarily a trial or a storm for the apostles. It was somebody else's trial that the Lord used them to be a help in. And so after that miracle takes place, The Lord does something interesting. He sends them away. The Lord had a purpose in everything he did. He had three years with this man to get them ready. He had three years to cause for growth. The Lord does the same thing in our life. It's not like like we, we tend to remove ourselves from the reality of a Christian life or even the reality of the things that we see in the Word of God. But God will constantly be putting you in situations that is trying to allow for your growth, for you to draw closer to God, to be in a place where God can use you in a greater way. What is better than that in life? Nothing. 
And so here the Lord recognizes something that's troubling in the lives of the apostles. There's something that's starting to occur that he knows this is a problem. I've got to take care of this. And so what he does is, after this miracle occurs, he recognizes something. And he says, you know what, you guys get in the boat and head across. I'm going to stay right here. I'm going to stay right here. The Lord goes and prays. They've already left shore, and of course, because he's God, he can see them. It's not like they're right there at the shore still uh, uh, toiling and trying to go against the wind. But he's God. He recognizes they're out in the midst of the, of the sea. And, and he recognizes the trouble they're facing. They're, they're in God's will. They're trying to accomplish it. But there's a storm going directly against them. And so the Lord walks on the water. He comes out to them. They certainly see that it is the Lord. But because of where they're at spiritually, they say, well, that can't be the Lord. This must be a spirit. And they're afraid. And, of course, just within Mark's account, we have the account that also took place is, is where Peter gets out of the boat. But the Lord cries out to him, be of good cheer, as I be not afraid. The Lord gets in the boat, and he calms the storm. And they were just astonished. They were amazed. They wondered. I mean, look at the power that he has. But verse 52. They had a lot of fear in everything that took place from verse 45 on. 52 says why. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves. Now, why was that? Here's the root problem. For their heart was hardened. Their heart was hardened. This is a group of men who have been around Christ constantly, day in and day out. And the Lord recognized the problem that was beginning to occur in their life. Even though they're around truth, they're around miracles, they're around great preaching. It did not matter. Their heart was hardening. Again, the Christian life is not some magic trick. It's not just that you check your boxes. You have to guard your heart and keep it right. To make sure that, the, that it is passionate about God. That it's not just... What we do. So the Lord sent a storm. He sent trials in their life. He, he, sent, he sent difficulty against them. Many times storms throw us for a loop. It's in those times that God certainly can reveal to us some genuine character of who we are. It's many times during a storm that we tend to forget about everything else and even fail to see God in it. We're great at seeing God when everything's going great. Many times when the storm hits, fear takes over, anxiety comes in. It's too often, it seems when we need Him most, we forget how great God is. But we need to remember, especially during those times, God is still there. He's still in control. That hasn't changed. There's no events taking place in your life right now that have taken God by surprise. It's during those tough times we need to consider God. Consider the things He has done. Consider His works, His mercy, His love. To think of what we have read of, read of Him in His Word the examples that he gives us. 
So what is it at times we're missing in our own life? Or what problems do we have? Or what stress or worry? Because we're simply not considering the works of God in our life simply because our hearts are hardened. Now, Within our text, let me break a few things out here. Because what I want to drive home is, is trying to help you this morning with the reality of your own walk. Of, of trying to even produce a slight paradigm shift in how you view your relationship with God. Because there are, there are many times, there, there are people that I've talked with. Now, by far, you know, those who come to my house are facing genuine difficulties, genuine problems, or, or spiritual issues in their life. I will always go to the devotions, and I, probably, I've, I, I need to record it and, and just see what the actual percentages are. But I know it's over 90% of the time there is either no Bible in prayer or no prayer or no Bible where that's not present. But there are times when it is present, and the struggles are still real. This is what this deals with. This is where you can even be right where you should be with some of the right disciplines in place, yet something's not right. And that deals with your heart. It deals with your heart. It's not about a magic formula to spirituality. It's about the relationship with God. About trying to actually make it about Him. To be able to set aside self. I mean, nowadays with the modern day preaching that takes place, God is more of a genie to people than anything else. Boy, if you'll just put God first, think of all that you're going to get. It's not what it's about. But anyhow, what does not considering God's works... The times he did show himself strong. The time he did show his power or his mercy in your life. What does that lead to when you're no longer considering those things? One, we see from our text that it leads to a controlling fear when storms hit. We see in verse 49 and really throughout, 49 and 50, but when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out. They were afraid. For they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. Fear was taking over. When faced many times with difficult situations and those trials hit, fear can come in instead of peace. This is a result when you have not considered as you should be the works of God in your life because your heart was hardening. There, There was a genuine True peace that was needed for your own spirituality, but it's not in place. You're there with Christ. You're faithful to church. You're faithful to your Bible. You're faithful to prayer. Yet still, something's off. And you can see it when those storms hit, when difficulties hit and trials come in. Fear begins to take over instead of peace. The reality of Isaiah 26.3 is far from you. You might even be able to quote it. Where it says, I will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. It seems as if that is just some sweet words. But the ability to put him in the life isn't present. 
It's living in Romans chapter 7 instead of Romans chapter 8. Again, I can think of the different times in my life where the Lord showed that. When I left for the remote assignment in 1994, August of 94, when I left for a remote to Kunsan, Korea, I could not believe that I was being sent for 12 months without my family. Just couldn't believe. Rachel was just born that June. She is two months old. Daniel and Heather are just, you know, what, uh, three and two years old. And I, I just can't believe this is taking place. I was miserable. No peace. As if, as if God wasn't aware of what was taking place. See, there, there, was, there was still an element that was missing. It wasn't like all of a sudden I'm out of the will of God and misery hitting. I get that. There should be a misery when you're out of the will of God and making your own choices apart from Him. But that wasn't the case. But boy, He was showing me something that was wrong. Where there is still so much of my life that really wasn't about him. Little did I know that in two months my family would be with me for the other ten months. No idea that was getting ready to come, but God knew. And again, he began to show it as I was there and I was just miserable without my family. And, and, and just struggling. It was there about a week. And the, the missionary that was there, Bill Stewart, had just gotten back from his own furlough. And he was big in Bible memorization, so he hands me the, the Bible memorization pack. And so, and they had one service just dedicated to Bible memorization, which was one of my favorite of the week. And the very first verse in that pack that he gave me was, in fact, Isaiah 26.3. And, and it didn't even click when I started memorizing it. It was later that day, so I'm going over it that day. I was, I was at work cutting some grass. And it hit me what I'm memorizing. That will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. And it just hit like a ton of bricks. My mind's not on God. I'm going, there's something here missing with my Christian life. When this takes place, fear and faith begin a battle in your own mind and in your own heart. And when fear wins, listen, here's the danger. When fear wins those battles in your heart, you will make wrong decisions with your life. Ask Abraham when he went down to Egypt during the famine. Remember who he came back with? Yeah, Hagar. When that battle begins to take place and fear begins to win, you're likely to make poor and wrong decisions for your life. When you're not considering the, the works of God and the importance of remembering and remembering and remembering all that God did, the Lord's trying to use that to keep, to keep you in a certain spiritual place. Because He doesn't want your spiritual life for all of a sudden you get into this rut where there's actually no effectiveness, no power. You think it's just about checking certain boxes. But during those times, you see, faith will not be in control. And we're to walk by faith. Your prayers either will not be present or they will be dead. Instead of praying, you know what you're going to do during that storm? You're going to be scheming. The opposite of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You're going to scheme your way out of this. 
Worry can come in. Fretting can come in. And listen, that, and we, all, we all recognize this if you've been alive any amount of time. Once worry and fret come in, you're a short step from anger taking over. That fuse will be short. Know what that begins to affect now? Your family. When you're not considering the things that God has done, all of a sudden a controlling fear can take over when you face difficulties. You can even, as we see in our text, face fear when you do see God working. Here's Christ coming, walking on the water to them. It's Him. Yet what grips them isn't joy and relief. It was fear. happens many times in the lives of Christians when this element is missing, when, they, when God actually begins to work in their life, faith isn't present and fear takes over. They think, this cannot possibly be God. And this can lead to you getting out of the will of God. Just like when I, I had refused to see for months and through Lord's mercy and grace when he was calling me to New Guinea. Again, I never saw missions for myself. I never did. I never saw myself going... Uh, Literally living in, in a little tiny island off of the equator in the jungle. That's not me. I don't have to live for the adventure or any of that stuff. It wasn't. The Lord had to do a lot to get me to a place because when that hit, you know what I failed to recognize? When it, when it was first hitting, I failed to see God in it. Even though clearly it was Him. Well, this can't be the Lord. I know me. This isn't me. Because when I would think of PNG, fear would hit. I'm not kidding. There would be times I would wake up at night when reality was setting in that God might be calling me to New Guinea just afraid as anything. Fear was in control. I wasn't seeing God in it. So you have a failure to recognize God just as they did. Even though it was clear, they concluded, that's not God. It's a spirit. Remember, these are people who are with Christ day in and day out. When God begins to move in your life, you relate it to something else. Remember, many times when God directs us, it's a still, small voice. Many times we, we hear people say, and, and I'm, I'm not a big fan of it. You heard me say it before, just because I think you should, think you should always present things properly. But you have, we'll have preachers come through here. Who knows? Maybe the next missionary will do it. Don't, don't condemn the poor guy. But I, I just don't think it's proper to do. And they'll say, and, they'll, and they tell us of this conversation they have with God. I was with God, and God told me to do this, and I told God this, and God told me that. I got news for you. That never happened. You did not have a conversation with God like that. It didn't take place. Maybe God was leading you that way. I agree with that. When God speaks to us, many times it's just that still, small voice in your heart. That urging and that directing. I remember when I called one of my key supporting pastors when I was coming back from New Guinea. I called him up, and I, I loved his question. He had, been, he had been, his church and himself had been a huge supporter of what was going on in PNG. And I called him up to let him know that I believe the Lord was done with us there. And the first question out of him was dealing with how I was discerning the Lord's direction in that decision. 
And, and he, I can't remember his exact phrase, but he said, listen, I, I need you to tell me what was going on in your heart leading to this. Sometimes when this takes place in your life, even though you're faithful to church, you have the devotions, but when this isn't right, there's many times you'll be, you will fail to recognize when God is genuinely working in your life. Because maybe it's a way you don't think God would work in. The disciples thought that because they thought there's no way he could walk on water. Just like many did not think David could whip Goliath, but he did. Moses did not think the Lord could possibly use him with his stuttering voice. By not considering and dwelling upon the works of God in your life and allowing your Christian life just to become about checking boxes many times, it puts you in a place where you even limit God in in his working in your life. Many times God will work in our life in a way that we've never seen before. Now, number two here. Why did the disciples not consider the miracle of the loaves? Well, he answers that, doesn't he? Again, because their heart was hardened. They had just witnessed this incredible miracle. But because their heart was hardened, when they were facing the storm, they never even bothered to stop and consider, wait, look what God just did. Surely if he just fed more than 15,000 people with five loaves and two fishes, he can help us right now. Again, these are the apostles, the men who are with Christ. The word hardening here is interesting. It's an interesting word. It means blinded. Or, not kidding, I'm giving an actual quote. This is not me putting my own words in. Rendered stupid. By not dwelling upon all that God has done, it can render you stupid. Spurgeon said this, Hard hearts and painful unbelief spring up in the waste places where we bury our forgotten mercies. He's dead on when it comes to this text. One reason their heart was perhaps getting so hard was they began to get used to some of the miracles. That's what the Lord knew. Here's this incredible miracle that God did. And the Lord recognized, man, there's a problem here. They're losing the awe of it. They're losing the amazement of it as they see it day in and day out as he was going through every single village in Galilee, healing every single one of the sick. They're seeing blind, the blind person after blind person receive their sight. Those who have never heard anything, they're hearing cured every single day. Those who have never walked every day, seeing their strength come back. It was almost becoming commonplace. Their heart was getting hardened. They lost how special everything was every day. They lost the amazement. They lost how special it was. Listen, there are certain things in our Christian life, please don't ever get used to them. 
Don't ever get used to or allow it to lose how special it is, your salvation. Of how you came to know the Lord. I don't care if it was when you were six, seven years old or when you were 80 years old. Don't ever lose how special that was. The first thing when we were, we were driving back from Fort Myers flying out of Tampa on, uh, on whatever day that was. I don't even know. Friday night afternoon we drove up. And so we have to go through St. Petersburg off of 275 to head over to where the airport is there. And that's not far where we would stay on our furloughs at missionary homes. They're called D&D missionary homes. And it's just about a mile off the highway. So we exited off the highway there, and, and we went by the home, and I took a picture of, of the one home that we had stayed at uh, for missionaries there. And it's all different now. They've sold off, and it's no longer nearly what it was. It was amazing to stay in a place where... Uh, this name, this blocks of housing was all independent Baptist missionaries. It was, it was amazing. And so I took a picture of the home, and then I looked at Levi. I said, Levi, that's, that's where you got led to the Lord. And, of course, he goes, oh, yes, I know. I mean, I never want to lose that amazement of, of when, when that service was ending that Sunday on June 30, 1982, and that conviction was so strong. Of even though the service had ended in telling my cousin, no, I have to go talk to the pastor. And coming up to John Norris and him setting me on the front pew of everybody had already left uh, out of the auditorium anyhow. And him going through it and just it hitting what Christ did for me. And the tears coming down. I could have told you before I ever went to church that Christ died for my sins, was buried and rose again. I didn't deny that. But was my faith solely in that? Not even close. But then it clicked. This was for me. This was to save me. And putting my faith in Christ. Never let how God saved you. Never let the word of God. See, this is what gets us many times. This right here becomes commonplace. I remember one time, and I'm, I'm sure it was true of every single person in the auditorium. When I, was a, I was a youth director in New Mexico, and we went to the youth conference at uh, Jim Vineyards. I'm the coroner stood here. They were probably here at that time. And he had a youth conference every summer, and I took the teenagers there. And there was a missionary speaking there. This is, this is in 1990, summer of 94, I think right before I left for Korea. It might have been the summer of 93. And so uh, this is right when, the, a couple years after the wall came down, Eastern Europe had opened to missionaries, Russia had opened to missionaries. And so there was a missionary reporting back. And he was going through what happened to him when he pulled into this town in Russia. They had a truck, a bigger truck, packed with Bibles. And how they were just getting mobbed for Bibles. And literally, they said, as they're handing these Bibles out, almost all the people just in tears crying and crying because they're getting an actual copy of the Word of God. And he was describing how they would hold it. They would just squeeze it and hug it. I mean, they knew of it, but it was banned. And now, all of a sudden, it was open and they're getting their own copy of the Bible and just reminded me of how special it is. Don't ever lose the amazement of how special what you have is. It's just not some textbook for you to read each day. It's the Word of God. I mean, 66 different books, somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 different authors, all from ranging from kings to fishermen. Covering a 4,000-year time period, written over around a 1,500-year time period or so, without one contradiction in it. Don't ever lose the amazement of what you have right here. Don't, 
don't become accustomed to, as the disciples did here, to the work of God. Even though they saw it every day, day in and day out, their heart was getting hard to it. It was no longer special. Don't ever lose the amazement. You know, when we have somebody come forward and accept Christ. Where's Jared? I was talking to Jared this morning. I remember talking to him after that service. He had heard us on the radio. And then had a track. He remembered because he, he first heard about us from a track when he was in prison. And then heard us on the radio and said, that's the church. I need to go there. Going through the gospel with him and just watching him go right to the side of that table and drop down and place his faith in Christ. Don't let that become common to you. Or those times, usually it's every, after, after so many weeks, we'll baptize anywhere from two to, what, the one day I think we baptize 12. Or the times that we do see God, I mean, sometimes we take, do you understand, right now, the different ministries that this church is active in throughout the world? I, I don't bring them up here all the time, and maybe I should do that more. Um, I, I just don't ever want anybody ever to question any motive. I can, I can bring you in here emails from people from the radio, not from Alaska, from the lower 48. I listen to you every day on the way home. Thank you. Let me just jump to the next one then. Don't take, and this is, this is not self-serving. You, you will rarely hear me do that from the pulpit. This is for you. Don't take for granted the preaching. I remember, and it, it was an encouragement for me more than anyone else. So I went back to New Guinea the two times I, I went back there since I went back. Both times. Both times, at them asking me to please preach every day. Please just preach every day that you're here. You know what they were missing? Preaching. Don't take it for granted. Don't take for granted Bible preaching. You know what? I'm not a storyteller. One of the problems we have today is we have way too many pastors that are simply storytellers. I was listening to a guy preach on that this week, and I thought, man, he is nailing this. I'm not a cheerleader. I'm not. But I'm not called to be a cheerleader in this sense. I'm called to preach the Word of God. And I can go on with different illustrations that don't take for granted that you have Bible preaching that can genuinely feed you. Don't grow accustomed to it. They had Christ there with them day in and day out, and the Lord knew, you know what? Their heart's getting hard to what they're seeing, to what they're hearing. And he's going to, so he gave them a very practical lesson. He says, let me show you where that's going to take you in life. Right now, everything's great. We're collecting the 12 baskets, but he knew... But when these guys face trouble, because their heart's hardened right now, they're not considering the miracles and all that they're witnessing. He knew it could lead to major problems down the road. So he gave them a very practical lesson immediately. Perhaps part of the reason... Sometimes, now get this, sometimes you don't consider God because of the severity of the moment. 
sometimes when the storm hits, you've got to be careful right there that God is the one you run to. Sometimes when it hits, your mind goes into that scheming mode. It's, it's almost like a, a self-preservation activation. And you're, you, just, just to, you go to the Lord. Lord, I need wisdom. I need help. That's what James chapter 1 deals with in the midst of trials and problems. How desperate we need wisdom from God. God, please help give wisdom. Make sure you're in a place where spiritually in your walk that you can have that direction from God. God, protect me from myself. Help me make the right decisions. Base it on principles whenever you can. Don't get so caught up many times in the work of God that you forget about the God of the work. It really is all about Him. Let me finish with this. Things that we need to be mindful of in our Christian life. One, the previous works that God has done in your life. You think of those times where you yourself, these are things that I think that are good to write down. To write those things down. So you can go back and read them when you need to. So that maybe during family devotions from time to time, you can go back over. Look what God did. So you're dwelling upon it where it's present in your thinking. I, here's one of the key things. I remember there was a man in, in New Guinea I led to the Lord. My, my family remember his name was Joseph. He was elderly. He was one of the oldest people that I led to the Lord there. It was during my first term that he came to know Christ. He lived in the village of Rativis. And right before I left for furlough, I'm getting ready for my last service there, Joseph had grabbed me and asked to talk, and, and, uh, um, and he's talking to me, and he's just crying and crying and crying. And he just said, thank you, thank you for coming. Thank you. And, and it, it was a sweet moment for me. It was such an encouraging moment for me right there. Well, as most, now I didn't want to go on furlough at all. So anyhow, I had to furlough. About two months before coming back, when I call and call and check to see how things were going, I got word that Joseph was probably going to die. He would not make it before I got back. And I would check every week, and he said, no, he hasn't died yet, but he's, he's no longer moving. They just have him laying down with something called a houseboy. And it would be each clan builds their own little houseboy, so he's just in there. That's all he's doing. And uh, every week, though, he hasn't died yet, hasn't died yet, I return. And I get back. I'm back day one. And uh, I met with some of the men who came into Namatanai, and they said the village is about an hour away where Joseph is in Kudukudu, down at Kudukudu Rativis. And, and they said, he's just waiting for you. And so I immediately head down the same day we got in. I, I go down to go see Joseph. He's in the house. Boy, he can hardly move. And I still remember, I'm there talking with him, and, and there's just a little smile on his face. He said, he said, I'm ready. And I don't quite know what he meant by this. He said, my plate is set. And that evening he died. And then we had his funeral. Actually, the very next day, we did Joseph's funeral. But just remembering that that man had never left that island, hearing the gospel put in his faith in Christ, the Lord having somebody there for it, those are things that I think on. Be also be mindful of the times that God has wonderfully provided for you. Write them down. Think about it. The time when God's provision was there in your life, when you saw God work. 
I mean, I, I, I can think of so many times throughout my life that are all so special and sweet from the story where I never had a suit and he provided a suit the very week that I asked him. They're providing everything to have it ready. I don't ever want to forget that or, or lose the specialness when that was provided and just how I may, amazed I was at God's concern and care over something so simple in my life. Or to the time when we were struggling in PNG in the middle of that six months and I'm driving up to KV on a supply run and that entire front wheel flies off. Grinding down. We're at the sealed portion. Grinding through that sealed portion. And how the vehicle came to a complete stop, which I didn't know where I was at the time, just so worried and like, what, what's going on, Lord? Everything's falling to pieces in my life and now my tire fly, flies off. My family's not going to know where I'm at for days. How am I going to get back home? But it stopped directly, right, not, not five feet from it, at a bush tire shop. There's only a couple of those on the entire island. I mean, it's right there. The people there were just amazed. Were the first guy telling me, this is in tough prison, telling me, do you know where you stopped? No. This is a tire shop. And that mark that was there, now, everybody on the island knew that new missionary that's here that's not leaving. That mark on the road, everybody on the island knew. That's when that missionary came through. His tire flew off. It stopped him at the tire shop. And the Lord being so special, which he didn't need to confirm that was him, but our very last supply run the Cavian. We're not even 60 days before we leave the island permanently and come back here to Alaska. So it's 12 years later, and they're recovering up that mark in the road. Another confirmation, the Lord was done with us there, that it was time to come back. I don't want to lose those special times. Dwell upon those times when God showed himself strong in your life. The Bible says when the Lord sent them on that boat again, they had the fear and they went through all the trade. He said, you know what? He said they considered not the miracle of the loaves. The Lord knew it when it happened. He knew it. He knew it lost how special it was in the awe of it. So he says, you know what? You guys get on a boat. He knew they were checking the boxes. They were with the Lord. They were in the right place at the right time. But there was a key element missing. Their heart was growing hard because they got used to things that were there to help them and help them grow. He says, listen, I need to show them this. They need to see this now. I'm going to show them where it's going to hurt them if they don't change this now. Don't lose how special the Christian life is. Don't make it about checking the boxes. Make it about the God of the work. Make it about Him. With heads bowed and eyes closed. Now let me ask this.